Hey everybody, welcome to Unscripted, a Rocky Church podcast where we take a look at how to live out our faith when Sunday's over. We're so glad you're here. Well, thanks again for joining us for Unscripted. We continue a conversation today that we began last week, and we're talking about doubt. And if you didn't have a chance to listen to the episode last week, go ahead and pause right now and check that out. Otherwise, you're going to be a little turned around in the conversation. And last week, we talked about, is doubt helpful? And yes, it can be. Today, we're going to be talking about things like cynicism and how it's a little bit different than doubt and how it affects us. But also, we're going to spend some time talking about that there is very real evidence that Jesus was who he says he was. So we feel like today's conversation can be really, really helpful to you. Thanks for listening, and let's continue the conversation from last week. (laughs) Okay, so changing gears a little bit. Some people would say, yeah, doubt is a thing in my life. Um, But they also would, if they're honest with themselves, they're like, I'm kind of cynical about life as well. For you guys, is there a difference between doubt and cynicism? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. I, you know, cynicism, we were chatting about this a little bit earlier. It, it feels a little more personal. Yeah. It almost assumes intent. And, you know, we, we, we deal with that, I think, quite a bit. Can I give an oh, example? Yeah. Do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's say we say, hey, Matt, you have... Uh, you have like 25 minutes to preach this week. <laughs> oh, and real life. We're going real life. We're going real life. Yeah. And you go 35, let's say. Right. right. Now, maybe when when I said you have 25, I'd have been like, I doubt he's going to hit it. Right. Um, cynicism maybe would be like, I know he's not going to hit it. And the reason why mm-hmm. is because he is a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care about us. There's that edge to it. Absolutely. You interact with people all the time who maybe are anti-faith, who are big cynics. Yeah. And and here's the thing that stings. They probably have a story that's true that allows that to, like, hey, I was approached with the gospel at one point, but it it was for the wrong reason. Yeah. and Or the wrong approach. And I totally, I totally get that. I mean, mm-hmm. I apologize at, at Easter just about every year. And you, if you don't believe in God and you're here, probably you don't believe because you, you ran into somebody somewhere sometime and they did something or said something that, didn't feel right. Yeah. And and I don't mean to make a big difference like people that doubt are okay and people that are cynical are bad. I, I'm not trying to, to say that. I think me personally, I can relate to the cynic. I Sometimes I in when I'm with people who are going through difficult times, I think – actually, this is a great, great thought because I think they are cynics towards God himself. Like in their mind, they're viewing how God is viewing their situation. Almost like he's good with it. He's okay with it. Mm. You deserve it. And a little bit maybe what you're talking about. And I usually say, I don't think there's, like we are sad, we are confused, we're distraught, but nobody feels more about this situation than God. Mm. That's good. God feels like he is broken about this. And again, in my worldview, in those moments then I can understand how God could call his son to come down and die for us. Mm. When I sit in those moments with people, I go, wow. Right? Imagine us calling our kid to go die. Mm. 
yeah. it'd have to be something extreme. Mm-hmm. And I go, this, this is it. This is why. But I think sometimes people are cynical towards God's, almost like his personality. Like he's all kicks and giggles up there. And we're going, where are you? What are you doing? Now you don't care about me at all. Meanwhile, I go, man, he is broken. I, I, I just, I like, I, again, I don't, for me, it's helpful. Yeah. I go, he is the most in tuned with this. He had to be because of what he did. Um, but we oftentimes, we, I think we view it like he's an aloof. He's out there and doesn't care. Yeah, you know. cynicism seems to be like predetermined mm-hmm. uh, because of your your situations and that. You get the wrong picture of God, you're going to get the wrong picture mm-hmm. of life, yeah. of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for believing the best in me. Maybe sometimes I'm at the 25-minute <laughs> mark and the Holy Spirit's like, dude, you got to lean in here. No, because at Don't 25 minutes. the Holy Spirit, man. <laughs> Blame it on the Holy Spirit. He's, he's real, dude. Because I feel like every time you go over your time, you make eye contact with me and you look at me and you say, watch I, this. I told Nick last week, I go, when you see Jesus for the first time, are you going to ask him why it took him three days to come back from the dead? Why couldn't he get it done in one? You know? <laughs> well, I'm not Love. going there. I'm not going there. Love you, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so if, if, if someone was listening to this and they said, okay, I appreciate what you guys are saying. I am definitely filled with doubts. Yeah. What What do you recommend for them? Like, okay, here's here's a path that you can take. Mm-hmm. If it is doubt about God or doubt about the resurrection, I would I would go back to the message I did with Peter, John six. You know, all these disciples are are, I mean, followers of Jesus that are walking away. And Peter, I think he gives good clarity when and Jesus goes, "Are you leaving too? You gonna walk away?" And he goes, "Where am I gonna go?" Go where? And some of his defenses, he says, nobody's making an offer like you. Nobody's talking about salvation. Nobody's talking about eternal life. So I'm going to roll with you. And I think in that moment, if you would ask Peter, do you still have doubts? Yes. He didn't get it. He didn't get all of it. Mm-hmm. But they said, hey, even in the midst of my doubts, I'm, dude, I'm with you. Because you, you, you're offering the best offer. And, and then he essentially says, if we don't follow you, then where? Where do we go? Yeah. I think that's a really good question. If, if I'm not going to follow Jesus, then who am I going to follow? And that's, and again, that's my story. Yeah. I came to a conclusion at some point where I said, it's not any better. In fact, it's far worse. I don't have less questions. I have more. And maybe that thing is true. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't, I've been a Christian for many, many years. I still have questions. Right, I, there's still things I don't quite understand, but uh, man, Jesus has a pretty good offer, and you know what? I'm gonna go with him on it. And there, there has been moments in my faith that I go, yeah, I, I, I see it. I see it more and more and more and more. Like, hey, this isn't going how I thought it should. Do you think it's going well? And I'd go, <laughs> no. He's like, I know. Yeah, that's why I'm here. I'm going good, right? No one else is doing that. Yeah. Um, so if not Jesus, then who? Yeah. Sean, what would you add? I would say you're going to put your trust in something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so kind of playing off of what Matt said, you're going to put your trust in Jesus or you're going to put your trust in your doubts, mm-hmm. And uh, which is better. And I think Timothy Keller has that line. We said it earlier, I think, that uh, at some point you got to doubt your doubts. If you're going to be intellectually true, I think you got to be curious about both. Mm-hmm. And so you actually have to lean into Jesus and actually, and there's so many evidences. I mean, we've, we'll talk about them, but there's so many things out there that you can look at and say, is this really true? 
But I think you have to do on the other side, you have to look at your doubts and say, is that really true? And I think there's a side with the evidence is there's information. I think with the experience and with circumstances, there's people. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes people have to be curious with other people and say, like, you, Matt, you probably have 10 people throughout your life that you would say these conversations. And I was the more and more I opened up about my doubts with these people, what happened with my dad, um, the more and more you become you come clear you get clarity on on what you're feeling and thinking yeah. and what God is, what's actually true about God. Yeah. And so I, I think you got to be curious. But the other thing I'd say too is pray. Mm. Like God's, you're not out there on your own in this. And my experience has been, I went home and I do remember praying and saying, God, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do here, but I do need some help. And I was doubtful that it was going to happen. But man, the people he put alongside me and with me that year, uh, it was transformational. I, th- I think you have to have trust that that if I'm going to try this out, God is going to show himself to be true or he's going to show himself not to be true. Mm-hmm. And you, you know what's awesome about our faith? I mean, we have this tagline here, Rocky, you can belong before you believe. Yeah. We don't have anything to hide. There's no bait and switch. And I love that about the Christian faith. It's like, hey, you have doubts? Go jump in. Yeah. Go, go search it out. There is nothing that you will find that would make me nervous. Right? I mean, I, I think it just brings more clarity. So it's like, hey, you have doubts? Keep jumping in. I, I think over time what you're going to find is the clarity that you need. Mm-hmm. And I'm so confident in, in the story and the power uh, of the resurrection that it will bring clarity over time. And so I love that, that we even have that tagline. Like, it, come on. You can come hang out with us. Like, we're not, I'm not scared. You know, we don't, we don't have a front. We're not hiding anything. I think sometimes people, too, are afraid of the effort it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Maybe not just the effort, but afraid of what they're going to find on the other side. Because mm. if it's true, what is that going to mean for me now? But then I think sometimes people spin it up in their mind to think, man, my doubt has been so big that figuring this out is going to be so hard. Yeah. Man, my experience has not been that. Right. My experience is when you choose to lean in, God meets you where you are, and he makes that path, not to say easy, but clear. Mm-hmm. So I think it was something that you said, Sean, in one of the messages. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe it was Matt. But uh, it's something along the lines of we might not have the evidence that we want, mm. but we do have the evidence that we need. Can yeah. you unpack that? Yeah, I don't think that, um, you know, it goes back to that faith thing. I mean, God gave, he said, he said that we are saved by grace through our faith, right? And faith is, is believing in what we cannot see. It's that being confident of what we're still a little bit uncertain about. And so there's a side of we can't, God's not going to give us everything laid out perfectly, bullet pointed out to where it's, it's, it's perfectly easy to understand yeah. because it is about faith. But I think what he did do is that if you go through the evidences and you look at the evidence for the resurrection, the evidence for the truth of the Bible, and uh, you look at that and, and I think God gave us more than enough evidence mm-hmm. that we actually need to make a decision, but there's still that effort, that that element of faith. Yeah, like you got to step in. You have to make a decision. You have to decide. But once you decide, what's great about it, I believe, is that God has continued to make it more and more clear uh, throughout life, through experience, through knowledge, through people, relationships. He just does. Yep. Yeah, I, I would say there's no plausible explanation for the church outside of the story of the resurrection. Like, so I you're saying the very reason the church is still around. Yeah. 
is it had to have been true. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Explain to me how it, how if it wasn't true, how we how did we get here? UFOs, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like I I always put that back on people. Like, yeah. yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe this whole thing isn't true. But man, imagine the just the energy and the effort to get to where we are right now. Mm-hmm. That Easter, every year Easter and Christmas, billions of people are still gathering in church buildings and all over the world and mm-hmm. talking about this guy named Jesus 2000 years after he he came. So I I, I kind of throw that just like the the organization of the church all over the world. Man, that's crazy. Because there's a lot of missions that fail and fade out over time. This one just doesn't seem to keeps moving forward, keeps growing. Yeah. So it's something different about it. I think the other thing too is you just you read you read the stories of these guys and girls in the New Testament who, man, just lived their life in such a radical way. I don't understand why they would. Yeah. Unless there was something mm-hmm. they saw that changed their life. Because yeah. if they, so 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 some of the people that that walked with Jesus saw him die. Yeah. If they believe, if they were a part of faking the resurrection, or they they had access to knowing that it was faked, they ended up living lives that were filled with tons of suffering. Yes, most most of them became martyrs for their faith. People don't do that. No, if I, it's not true, I wouldn't. Yeah, what's the payout? I mean, Peter, the guy I was talking about, you know, he's the one who's doubting in John six. Uh, he'll be the guy who, you know, first pastor, lead that first local church. He's going to be crucified upside down. And if the whole thing's a lie, I'm, I'm, I'm out, right? Mm-hmm. But again, I, I think when you look at these stories of these people, you go, what, what happened? Why would they do what they did? Well, I, if you believe the resurrection is true, that just might do it. When you see it, when you see a, a dead guy come back to life, it, it might make you do some things that you wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what you see, ex- especially in the first couple hundred years of the early church. People just, it just seems reckless, reckless abandonment. Mm-hmm. And they're living their life in such a way that I would go, why? Why would they do that? Why would they say that? Um, there's just, <laughs> so just how people lived, there's a lot of evidence. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what? I don't see a lot of people in my world that are willing to live extraordinarily different because of a lie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and, and you take that if it was a lie, you know, just the idea that somebody would have given it up. You know, over time, somebody would have said, is not true. Right, right. And I, and I love that Chuck Colson, Colson quote we used about Watergate when he was involved in that. <laughs> and he was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. man, there's 12 of the most powerful men in the world couldn't even keep a secret for 12, you know, right. for 12 days. Right. But... They, you know, said it was true the rest of their life. Yeah. That's what makes, I mean, we started out saying, hey, this is an unbelievable story. But the reason why it's, it's, it's lasted so long, I would argue is, well, maybe it's because it's believable. Mm. And those are the stories you tell. Yeah. And I think we've been saying this in this series a lot. I think the early church told the story of the resurrection daily. You had to. You're just sitting around having dinner, and there's got to yeah, be, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you just got to be wrestling with doubt. You just heard about another friend who was martyred, you, you know, some, and you're just going, why are we doing this? And it's like, oh, yeah, because of what we saw yeah, or because of what we heard, and we believe it to be true. It sustained them even in the midst of, of their doubts. I mean, they know persecution that I, I doubt any of us will know in our lifetime. 
and they didn't fold. Yep. And I go, man, that's that's powerful. It had to be. T- I mean, as much as the guys who wrote to them and led them talked about the resurrection, I mean, it's like in it feels like every chapter in the New Testament. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that got me, I remember going to a camp one time. It was a guy named Jim Putman that was there. Um, he's a pastor out in Idaho, great guy. And so I, I was a kid, and I remember just the, he started talking about evidences, and he started talking about the Bible. And, you know, you think about what's crazy, mad about what you're talking about, is those Christians made it for 300 years without the Bible. Yeah. They lived out their faith on the truth of the resurrection. So that's something that we, we don't often think about. Yeah, I mean, Paul, I don't think Paul's writing for, what, 40, 50 years so after the resurrection. I mean, it's... Well, like, First Corinthians is about 25 years. Okay, I mean, it's yeah. still, 25 years is a yeah, long time. it's a long time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I interrupted you, sorry. But it's interesting, like, he was giving statistics, and I even looked up just to even make sure those were, were right on still, just if any other discoveries and whatever. But, you know, you talk about the writers of the New Testament and the Old Testament, the Scripture, three different continents... 40 different writers over 1,500 years that all wrote about the same, same storyline. Yeah. And he, I mean, and most of those, many of those people had never even met each other. And they all wrote about the same things. Prophets prophesied about the same thing. Gospel writers wrote about the same thing. Paul wrote about the same thing the disciples wrote about. It, and you just roll that back and you're going, there's no way yeah. that all that happens without something else being involved. And then, and then you step back and you look at the prophecies. Well, they say 360-some prophecies, Jesus fulfills all of them. The probability that one man does that, it's astronomical. It's, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. And then you step back and you look just at the Bible, and, and I, this was the thing that grabbed me, was as far as like evidences for the historicity of the actual writings, like... They take they take Homer's Iliad and they're like, that's the most historically accurate um, book that we have. There's um, about 1,800 copies. I was looking this up. It's about 1,800 copies of it. There's nothing else that's even within you know realm of being as true to the original copies. And then you take the Bible, and the Bible is uh, there are 66,000, 66,000 whether it be outside documents or biblical documents that refer to the validity of Scripture. If you take the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's 25,000 copies of the originals that say this is what we have. You take just the New Testament, there's 5,000. And you take all that and you start going, and you start going with evidence on the resurrection and all these evidences for creation. I think when you really lean in and you look, it's like it may sound unbelievable. It's actually what you said. It is way more believable than you actually think. There's more evidence out there than we realize. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's harder to actually, it's harder not to believe mm. than it is to believe if you search it out. Go search. Go search. Um, yeah. You know, one thing, I, I mentioned the cynicism earlier. I think I can be kind of cynical in general. I, I do, too. <laughs> I think you can, too. Yeah. Especially about preaching times. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, so, I, I felt yeah. that from you. So when you talk about, like, I mean, uh, you know, why would the church be here? If uh, this wasn't true, you know, you start to, without knowing some of those facts, you start going, well, people are, people like control, people like power. Mm. So somewhere along the lines, they, they made all this up in order to build churches and, and get people under their thumb. I mean, that's a very cynical way of looking. Yeah. But it's like, you can start to wrap your head around that and you can stay there if you're not willing to, I think one, ask yourself, how's this working for me? 
Yeah. Because if if I let myself go down that path of cynicism, I f- it it's gross. Like it doesn't lead to life. It leads to, um, it just leads to bad things. It's not a life that you want to live. It's so a tra- it's a trap. There's a, there, yeah. There's a point where you're like, I'm just tired. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of believing the worst about everybody mm-hmm. and about everything. And uh, so you need to ask yourself that question. Is it worth it? Is it working? And then the other thing, Sean, or at you, Matt, you said this about what Sean was saying is go do, go research, like search it. Got nothing to hide. Go for it. Yeah. Anything else you guys would add? I think so. I'd say be hopeful. I'd say just like, just like you guys said, just if we step back and don't lean into it, mm-hmm. there's doubt will continue to exist and doubt will continue to grow. It's kind of what you, you will have what you feed. But if you go after and you really try to seek into and say, is this really true? And I believe with all my heart, because I've seen it over and over again, that God shows up mm. and he'll show you. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, if you're listening and you have doubt and you're not a, you have just doubt about God, not a follower of Jesus, I, I would say you start with the resurrection. That's where you start. You, And if you're a follower of Jesus and you're working through doubt, I'd go back to the resurrection. Yeah. This is the most important thing. And I do find it brings, I do find in my life, uh, I'll be curious what you guys would think. I think in moments of my, in moments of doubt, I'm not thinking about why I believe what I believe. I'm thinking about what's in front of me. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about what, how it's making me feel. Um, but I think when I, when I go back and I go, oh, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right, that's right. There was this guy named Jesus who died for me and he came back from the dead all of a sudden hope begins to come in and begins to fill in some of those doubts that allows me to move forward. The other thing it does too is it levels the playing field on what's important and mm-hmm. what's essential because if you keep coming back to the resurrection, which is everything the gospel is built on, then all those other questions of, you know, creation, is this an old earth? Is it a young oh, earth? Is it this? Boy. Are we unpacking yeah. that now? Oh, no, dinosaurs. I'm just saying. <laughs> you want to talk about dinosaurs. But all that stuff becomes less important. Yeah. Mm. And you can have opinions on that. Yeah. yeah. And you can, you can, that's not what our faith is based upon. If it's based on the resurrection, it's okay that I walk in with all those questions, but don't let those questions derail you from the main question. That's good. Is, is Jesus who he says he is? And you're, you're saying that's where it starts because if all the other things of the Bible that are hard to believe, if you believe all of them, but don't believe in the resurrection, then it's like, it doesn't matter. That's right. But that ought to be freeing for some people. Yeah. We had our rooted celebration. We had I had a lady walk in and I asked her about which study she was in. She talked about Irresistible, which is a book that says exactly what you're talking about. Yep. It's all based on the resurrection. She said, that book was so freeing for me because I ne- never felt like I could come to church with some of the questions that I have. Some of the questions about relationships and life and all these different things. She gave me like four or five things. But then she said, when I realized this is all about the resurrection and my belief in Jesus and that can help me start working other things out, she's like, man, I felt free to come be a part of what you guys are doing. I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing right there. When, when my girls have approached me and said, Dad, I want to you know, make a decision to follow Jesus or I want to be baptized, it, you know, there's always three things I, I would ask them. Who is Jesus? They'd answer it. What did he do? They'd answer it. Why is that important to you? Mm-hmm. That's where you start, right? It's it's the story of Easter. Who is he? Mm. He's the son of God. What did he do? He died yeah, for me. And then he came back from the dead. Why is that important? Mm-hmm. Man, because without that, I couldn't have a right relationship with God. Yeah. All right. Game on. Here we go. Like, now we're starting. 
right? That that's the starting point. That's a big deal because for a lot of people are unfamiliar to the church, God, all, any of that. They're going to start like, all right, I bought a Bible, no. Genesis 1-1. Let's start yeah. here this and so, start reading it from the, you know. Yeah, yeah. So Nora, our um, our third our third daughter, she just uh, graduated from fifth grade. They had a continuing ceremony yesterday. And for all of our girls, when they move on to middle school, we buy them a Bible. And so we bought her a Bible, wrapped it up. And so she opened up at dinner uh, yesterday. And it was so funny because she's looking at the whole thing. She's had like a kid's Bible, you know, like a mm-hmm. story Bible. But this is like her first like Bible Bible. And she goes, where do I start? And, I, and I'm on the couch. I go, not in Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, so it was, it was fun. Like we started talking to her and said, hey, I want you to start reading through the Gospels. You know, I want you to start with Matthew. And, um, but you're right. There's, yeah. You got to start somewhere. But I think you start with the story of Easter. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, uh, at the beginning of this talk, we were talking about the series that we did. It's called Unbelievable. And spoiler alert, we actually think it's believable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey Bait and switch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for taking time to uh, talk about doubt and faith today. It's been yeah. good. Great conversation. Yeah, good absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. And hey, you guys, I might even invite you to be on this podcast again. Woo. I, I feel like I hit my time today. I don't know what it was, but I'm close. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, thanks again, guys. Thank you. Well, thanks again for joining us for another episode of Unscripted. If you're enjoying this, we would love for you to subscribe and to review or rate this podcast. That helps us get to more people because we want to be as helpful as possible. If you want any more info about our church, you can go to rocky.church slash this week. It's always up to date no matter when you listen. And we're so grateful that you join us. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.